0: Well, you're all very welcome. You're all very quiet. You know, when you go for worship and then you go to the speaker, like, ah, I know which one would rather have, so um, that's all right. I'm not offended at where I've done a lot of therapy, so um, I'm okay. <clears throat> but if you are just joining us, we are on our Come to the Table series. And last week we looked at particularly the sacrament of communion and unpacking that, and I don't have time to even, you know, go over that and refresh that, but it was just a different perspective to looking at uh the heart of communion, how is a church tradition? And I'm going to say that in a large T in the sense of, you know, the Protestant evangelicals, and I know a lot of you cringe when we say those languages, but when you're not, um, just in our stream, for the first 1,500 years, the church, the table was at the center of the gathering. And for some reason, along the way, through um, cosmic shifts in society and reformations, that when we, we often, as humanity, swing from pillar to post. And what happened is along the way, we've actually lost um, the centrality of the table, and that's really what it's about. I would encourage you come next next Sunday. You will for for a tenor You will not get the food that you're going to get anywhere else. Um, I did put on award winning chefs, and I got an email from Alien saying what he hyping us up for. You know, everything I was like you know. But look, if there is an option to go onto the link, the guys are going to be out at that welcome table in the foyer afterwards. You can sign up without paying there, and you know if you if you feel led to pay afterwards. If not. Money's not the thing, um, I think we just, yeah, it doesn't become the thing that helps us move forward anymore, so I'd I encourage you to sign up to that, it's going to be good fun, and uh, I don't know if last week's podcast is up, I might, there's a few maybe technical things, but we'll go up at some point and review that as well, just in the heart of all that. Um, but we are going to continue this week and next week just looking at, come to the table, and I really feel like culturally we're at a time where we're, the table is needed more and more, uh, we, we're so used to doing life on our own, we're so used to doing it our way or the no way, my way or the highway, that actually we lose the art of what the table brings. But how many of you know, we all can gather around tables, but it's important to know who's at the head of that table. Okay, now I'm not talking about you men when you're at the dinner table going, I'm the head of this table, right? I'm actually talking about that we would know who the head of the kingdom table is. And we're going to look at really just just this as we sh- try and shift back, that we ha- there's a few things we have to necessarily be um, cautious about. I will share this story. I don't know if I've shared this before. Maybe I've shared it with some of you. But I remember in a previous job, I used to work for um, a Christian youth organization. And it was cross-denominational. There was people from all different uh, walks of life, backgrounds, and faith denominations. So you really got meeting with some really cool people. But I remember the CEO at the time, invited me round for a cedar lunch. They were a, Christian, a group of Christian brothers, and I don't think they're going to listen to this podcast, so it should be all right uh, to share the story. But I remember going round up to the Malone Road, okay, the Malone Road. And uh, I'm not from the Malone Road, as you can tell. And uh, we went up to just their house and went for a cedar meal. And there was, I can't remember exactly, but there was about 15 or 20 people um, that a big banquet and table in their, in their big grand dining room slash kitchen area. And uh, you know, there, if anybody's been to a Cedar Mill, you, you come at like four o'clock, and you don't eat till eight o'clock. So you, you you eat before you go to eat, right? Because there's there's times where there's processes, there's prayers, there's thanksgiving. There's a really really intentional way of being able to come round the table together. First time I'd ever been, um, and I mean the company was great. There was people from you know who were. Um, in the you know working in, in the medical field there was people working in you know uh charity sectors it was just I mean I was only a young guy at the time so I was sort of when you come from you know uh our working class housing estate you go into these areas and you're going this is definitely how the other half you know do life and you know when you grow up in the bubble that I live in then you know it's just different. But I we go through and we the starters, if anybody knows me, when you come from the background, you know, you just pick any picky eaters in the house. Yeah, well, you can starve next week, right? <laughs> a few of the other half just went, I am i seen you, Catherine. Um, and uh, we, we came to the starter, and it was avocado and shrimp. Any, anybody like avocado and shrimp? Maybe you like avocado, maybe you like shrimp, but together, not so much. So I remember having a starter, and I just thought, I detest the both. And how do you begin to move... You know when you're like, you know when sometimes when you're not wanting to eat something, you just move it about the plate, and you're like, uh, and like there's, now remember I'm at a banquet table with like 15 other people who are like, you know, they have a avocado and shrimp their whole life, and I've grew up in chicken nuggets and chips, and it's like, ah. Oh, so I'm like, oh, I honestly, it gives me the heebie-jeebie sometimes thinking about slithering down my throat, and I'm like, oh, Lord save me now, I definitely developed the prayer language then, um, and I remember that was definitely me out of my comfort zone, and then we went through, there was some fancy version of chicken, and I thought, okay, that. Anyways, it was nice. I was grateful to be there. I was grateful to be there, by the way. Um, but I remember leaving going, that was, the company was great, the, the area and the, the, the house was grand, but if I was to host a dinner party, I wouldn't serve that. Or if I was to do a dinner party like that, I would change this. Anybody ever been to something like that where you go, I would do it like that, but I would, I would change this. And all of a sudden we get like, as if we're like critiques and you know, how we host and so on. But how many of you know Certain Christians and certain churches have got like that. They, they begin to pick and mix what they want at God's table. They come and they go, I like what he says about this, but I'm not really going to take that. I love what he says that I'm a, I'm a child of God and that, you know, I'm, I'm no longer a slave to fear, but I don't really want to take what he says about either the sanctity of marriage or sexuality. And what we begin to do is we, we pick and mix what we want. And that's just That's just the area we live in. And and one of the things is we have to be careful that as we come to the table, we come with our own preferences, we come with our own biases, but we also come with our own comforts that we want to get out of it or that we don't want to shift in order to be there. And what happens is when we come, we can fall into the trap of that we pick and mix what we want from the menu that we start to think that we know better than the creator of the universe. all right? But what it's important to know is that the Lord's table was never just restricted to, although it's centrality around the elements of the body and the blood and the bread and the wine, it's not just restricted to the actual physical table. Okay, It's not just restricted to where a table of food is. Okay, and We're going to look at that. But I want to move on from that, not leaving it, but actually if we can go and expand this a bit further coming to the table is about coming to spaces and places where the creator of the universe wants to host you do you know this morning we don't host God God is so sovereign and so big that he hosted us this morning that when you walk into the spaces and places of your life that you don't go right God come and then it's all of a sudden we host him even though there's, a, there's an element of relationship in that he already knew you and preordained and all of a sudden is like I want to host you it's about that The God of the universe wants to host you. Okay, one person is happy about that. Okay, hopefully it'll change. And yes, he wants to host us around the elements of of communion, the sacrament of communion. Yes, he wants to host us around the table where there's other people gathered. But also there's other tables of our lives that when we come to the body of believers and we serve and we give, we come to the table. It's like what we say around here. You're all welcome. I mean, honestly, mixing bag of chocolates, you're all welcome. We come, we sit at the table, we get mucked in, and we, 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 we serve together and we pay the bills together. That's what the motto comes in, in churches like ours. There's a table of, of serving in the body. But then there's also a table with your one-on-one with him. Your alone time, where he wants you to come to the table. And what we need to know is that Jesus is continually setting tables to meet with his people. That before your day, before your week, before your life was even formed, God has set divine moments, divine tables in your life that he wants to encounter you with. And I felt like what was shared at the start of the service, some of you have been swimming your arms and legs off in this season, and you don't feel like you're going anywhere. In fact, if you looked at me, you were swimming your belly off and you were going backwards. But sometimes the undercurrent of what God is doing in the river is taking you somewhere. You thought you were going upstream. He wants to take you downstream. Some of you are here and you're working so hard, I need to swim upstream. Because that's where I think it's good to go. While the Spirit of God is taking the current downstream. And I feel like that's what some of us, as we begin to accept and surrender, what God has for us is taking us spaces and places that we couldn't think or imagine of. Because when we begin to trust the head of the table, we begin to trust that he is in the process too. In fact, when we begin to trust the head of the table, we can have reliable hope in the process. That hope isn't about our destination and where we are going, it's actually about going with his undercurrent. Sometimes we can't see the, un- in fact you can't see the undercurrent, but you can certainly feel it. God's ability to get you where you want to go is far greater than the enemy's ability to keep you stuck where you are. In fact, God's ability to get you where he wants you to go is greater than the enemy's ability to stop you getting there. If anybody's been in a river with an undercurrent, you just got to let go. And that's one of the things when we come to the table, we have to get this concept of, of God's in control and God's at the head of it. And what we're going to do, we're going to look at Matthew 9, really, really short, really, really brief, okay, if you've got your Bibles. um, Just want to pick on a few, I guess, principles that that I felt like I was reading. It's Matthew 9, and you'll see, it's when Jesus calls Matthew the tax collector. And in fact, I want to put this, that Jesus sets a table for Matthew and his friends at Matthew's own house. Imagine that. God's like, I'm coming to your house. And you're like, okay, I'll get all the place ready. And he's like, "Nah, I'm already going, I'm going to host G." And what we have to do, we get this perspective shift, but I want to read in Matthew 9, 9 to 10. It says, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. He said, Matthew, come follow me. And Matthew got up and followed him. And while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors, many sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When we think we're hosting God, God has a better ability to host us in the different spaces and places of our lives. So that when when he is hosting us, we have an encounter with a new way of living. It's funny, many people in our our, uh, culture and society can look at this and go, well, some might say Jesus ate with them, so he was agreeing with how they were living their lives. Just because Jesus meets us where we're at, doesn't mean Jesus wants to leave us where we're at. In fact, just because he meets us where we're at doesn't mean he wants to leave us as we are. Because when we come to the table, we leave changed. In fact, when the, the creator of the universe hosts you, he wants to transform you. This isn't a table where you just go and, and you just sit and go, that was a nice uh, scripture verse. That was a nice, you know, how great is our God song. And, and we just come and like, we feel good. The table of Christ isn't just a feel-good factor. It's actually about a transforming encounter with him and his grace. We come to the table of Christ not just to escape our problems. We come to the table of Christ so that our problems may be transformed in him. Nobody's happy about that by the sounds of things. Well, you often know the cost. I think at one point this week, or maybe last week it was recently, but... Hannah and I were sitting on the sofa, and we were just talking about random different things in life, and I think we were, oh, yeah, I don't know if this is matching up, but we came we came this week, and we took down the baptism tank, and if anybody was here, you heard it domestic, Um, and it was like, you know, she doesn't know I'm going to share this, but I am anyways, and uh, we were trying to take it down, and there was some water left in it, and I'm a wee bit impatient, okay, I'm being sanctified in that area, okay, the Lord is working on me, and there was a wee bit of water left, and I was like, look, Hannah, let's just lift the rest of this and just... Carried out the back but if you know anything when you try and lift it like there's more there's, there's more water there you're not going to get that so I'm like trying to lift it out and trying to and um, anyways we get it out there's a lot of water and anyways it was cleaned up and I was soaked more than her she was but there's probably a sermon in that itself and uh, you know we were reflecting on it afterwards and I was like I, I know I'm stubborn but I was like so are you she's like no I'm not no I'm not and she's like no we actually are and it's funny the more we were just talking we were like we actually are so alike like if anybody knows, we came from a chalk and cheese background and you know, there's various differences. But the more we're getting on, we're like, either we are a lot more alike than we realized or we're becoming a lot more like each other. And that's dangerous. And that all of you who've been married a lot longer know that's true. You just become like the person that you're married to. And there's a truth in that. The more time we spend with a person, the more we become like that person. Whether it's spouse, whether it's friends, whoever it may be. And what's happened is the more we do life with Jesus, the more we come to his table is the more we actually begin to become like him. You see, our thought patterns begin to change. Our our patterns of behavior begin to change. In fact, over time, our appetites and our desires and outlooks for life begin to change. We don't come to the table and go, Hey, Jesus, I have this new revolutionary idea. You should take this new theological point of view that I have or, you know, I think this is how church should really do life. You know, I, I'm, you know, some bright spark. And, and God's like, great. I was like, hey, thanks. You know, take your idea. I'll give you feedback. No, no, it's not the way it works. And what happens is the more we do life, the more, more the times we come to the table in the various contexts, the more we begin to have our appetites changed. Because in quote, unquote, in this verse, although the sinners came as they were, after eating from Jesus' table, they left looking more like him because an aspect of their life began to be transformed. And we have to begin to acknowledge not only he is the head of the table, but actually at his table, there is what we need. In Matthew, he says, come and follow me. In other words, leave what is your old thing behind. He doesn't say leave it before you come to the table. He says, come to the table, leave it there, and I'll give you my new thing. And I really felt like for some of you, this is a season where you're going to overcome the old and you're going to step into his new. He's going to remove the things that hold you down, weigh you down, distract your thought life. And he says, I'm going to give you my new. Because when we do, when we even encounter with him at the table, it's with his grace, which is not only undeserving on favor, but actually it's the ability to do something you couldn't do on your own strength. So a couple of things, just two things before we go into the main bit. When we are trying to be the head of the table, We begin to subtly start telling people two things. The first thing is, we begin to tell them, hey, it's all about your behavior. It's all about your good behavior. You see, we start thinking it's about our behavior modification. We forget it's all about our heart transformation. That Jesus isn't concerned of how you behave at the table, your table manners. He's concerned about your heart posture. You see, in this uh, passage in Matthew 9, the Pharisees asked, why does he eat with sinners? And Jesus replied, it's the healthy who need a doctor but not, or it's not the healthy that need a doctor, it's the sick. We don't sit at Jesus' table because we have good behavior. We sit because we are the very people he actually came for. Do you know you're the very person that Jesus came for? That when the seat at the table is because we are the people that he came for. Jesus isn't interested in perfect people, but he is interested in teachable people. So when we come as we are, we're not trying to be someone we're not. And it's in that moment that we'll experience him as he is. Hosea 6.3 says, Let us acknowledge the Lord, let us pressed on to acknowledge him. As surely as the sun rises, he will appear. He will come to us like winter rains, like spring rains that water the earth. Some of you need a fresh touch from the Holy Spirit in this season. You know? But first, when we acknowledge we have an issue, we then can allow him to be the solution to that issue. And the second thing, that when we try to be heads of the table, we tell people it's all about our effort. That We look like people in that video, that we're we're swimming. And we're all swimming. And what happens is one person, because there was the first person in that water. Now, it was Eddie Cook that was on a big inflatable boat that looked like Ali G, which is a lot of problems in that in itself. All of a sudden, you're in, trying to go one direction, and all of a sudden, it's like follow the leader. We start trying to go upstream, and we're all, and all of a sudden, from the bystanders who are living in the kingdom of grace, are standing going, looking at everybody trying to do the thing, going, why are you doing that? It just looks, doesn't look right. And what happens is we do that follow the leader. And we begin to tell other people, one, because we try to do it in our own effort, so they try to do it in their own effort. And what happens was in, in, in the story of Matthew, John the Baptist's disciples came and says, how is it that when we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus says, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them and then they will fast. Too many of us are trying to impress God that we miss out his very presence in the room. Too many of us are trying to show off our gifting and how good we are. That we miss out, actually, that his gift of his presence is in the room. Because what I've been discovering, Jesus doesn't need us to impress him. He was the one that gave you the gift, so he knows how good he is. But instead, we acknowledge not only his presence, but his undeserving favor on the table. So that when we begin to think our behavior, our effort gives us access, we change. And all of a sudden, it looks fairly a stupid idea. So coming to this table is about coming and knowing that he is doing something new and something fresh. How many know God's doing something new and something fresh in this season? God wants to do something new. He wants to do something fresh in this community. We have faith to know that God wants to do something new and something fresh out there. But we also have to believe that he wants to do it in here. And sometimes our feelings and our, our stuck situations can remove our faith in that. When we acknowledge we have a lack of faith or an issue, then we can begin to press in and go, hey God, show me the new and fresh thing you want to do. I remember as kids, is it just confession time for me? <laughs> I remember when we were kids, and some of you might have had kids who are like this. God bless you. But I remember anybody, my mum my used to do all the shopping and me and my siblings, we would be at home, and we would hear the car pulling up because we have ate all the week's, week's groceries already, so she's way in the shopping, she's coming back with all the bags from Asda, and all of our siblings are sitting on the sofa, and we hear the car pulling up, and we think, there she is, and we all, all of a sudden, be the plight children, we want to help with the chores for suddenly the first time that week, and we come and we go, hey mom, can I help you bring in the shopping bags? Do you need a hand? Let me grab. And we all look in and go, no, that's the vegetable ones. Here, you carry that. And all of a sudden we're looking for the, the, the juicy, the sweets, the biscuits, the, the not-so-healthy things that we ate in our house. And what happens is you become, the siblings become like a bag of vultures. They're going in, they're rummaging through the bags for all the, ni- the nicer biscuits and nicer crisps. And all of a sudden you're like, you splurge it all. That the, you've had all the good stuff in the first two days, and then all of a sudden everything else, you're just eating ready salted crisps. Or like, you know, the plain digestive biscuits that nobody wants to eat, right? You're all laughing because you know either you've done it or your kids have done it and you just know this is the way it works, right? But sometimes, if you're like me and you've got a bit more brains than the others, if you're at home and they're not and your mom comes back with a shopping, you all of a sudden get what you want and then hide a few of the things for later on. Nobody would do that here, would you? And we begin to we'll save it. <laughs> or hide it from your spouse, some of you are doing that right now. And sometimes our approach, coming to the table of Jesus, can be like that. We fear that we'll miss out on the opportunities that were meant for us because somebody else got it. Or we fear that when we come into worship or we come into ministry, either we're not good enough or we fear that there won't be enough blessing for us. So what happens is is we, we become insular focused. We begin to make about coming to the table about how we behave, because I behave a certain way, I therefore deserve it. Or I work harder so that I'll get there before anybody else will. And these are the subtle things that come into our minds. What happens is religion creeps in and his presence begins to lift off the table. Because religion thinks of scarcity, but grace thinks about abundance. When the religious groups sit around the table, they think, Oh, we have to be protective of, of who sits at this table because there might not be enough for anybody else. But when we come to the table of grace, when we come and we know there is enough, there is abundance. I feel like God wants to, to speak to some of you is there is enough at his table for you. You don't need to worry about lack. You've lived your life and you've missed out. There was maybe inconsistent people. There was maybe an opportunity where you you got there and your, your friends didn't save you something or they, they left you out, and all of a sudden the grouping you weren't a part of. And what happens is, is we can approach the table of grace actually with a heart of scarcity and a heart of fear going, there's not going to be enough for me. And if I'm being honest, we all would have experienced that. We all would have experienced the feeling of being left out. And it... I it builds within us this fear that there's going to be lack. But how many of you know? Jesus says, My Father has many rooms. Many rooms. In fact, he says, my, my banquet table is large enough for everyone. And we need a perspective shift that when we come to the table, we're coming knowing that it's about his grace and not about what we and our resources. And I felt like one thing about my whole sermon that God spoke to me, he says, I never pour out my presence. I never pour out my revival on the greedy. But it does come to the hungry. There's a difference. You might be thinking, well, what is it? Hunger at the table is built on expectancy. Greed at the table is built on fear that there's not going to be enough. But sometimes if we're not careful, we can think greed looks like hunger. Because you go, well, there's hunger in greed, right? But hunger comes to the table going, I know God's got enough. And I expect that he's going to give to everyone else and me. Where greed comes to the table like the siblings or like me as the kids. And they come and they rummage through and they take all they can. They pick from the bone and they don't leave for anybody else. They store. In fact, it's what scripture says about storing stuff in in, in our our barns, and our houses. When we come to the table with greed, it will always be about about woman-upmanship. I must get better than someone else because if I don't. And I actually feel like some of you grew up and it was stretch or starve. Now there's an element of, of that in the kingdom that you need to come and, and Jesus, you know, isn't going to spoon feed you. But we grew up in the mentalities where we go, of, I don't, want my siblings to get there first. And then it comes into the church life and we go, I'm hungry for God, but you know what? I don't want Sharon to get anything. Or I don't want Adam to get anything. And all of a sudden, greed dictates the culture of the table instead of hunger, which is about expectancy and about abundance. Is that making sense? Probably not. And I want to really land with this principle. Grace is about abundance at the table. But it's also about sharing. It's a sharing mindset. You see, there's a principle in Scripture that says, those who are first will be last. And those who are last will be first. And we can see it in the parables of the stories of feeding the 5,000 and and how the disciples, they they gave out, and all of a sudden there was 12 baskets full for each for their own, and there was enough um, for them as they gave out, and Jesus multiplied in, in abundantly. But those who will be first will be last, and those who are last will be In other words, those who are willing to share in the outpouring will be the first to spot when his outpouring comes next. I'll say it again. Those who are willing to share with others when the Spirit of God moves, when the power of God moves, when the blessing of God will be the first to spot when God moves in other tables of their lives. Because their focus isn't on the fear that there won't be enough. So they keep to themselves. And instead, their focus is they live by faith knowing that God will always provide enough. And what happens is we gotta get good at sharing. And I feel like as a church we are. But there comes this principle when we're going, you know what? I'm not going to fight for the scraps of this table because I know God gives abundantly. It removes competition and it elevates grace. And too much of the church has come and allowed the business worlds to, I'm not just here to bash down business because God wants to move in business. But what happens is we allow competitive consumerism to come into the church that says it's every man for themselves. And what happens is it actually begins to uh, divide the table. And it, it begins to, this is the point, it begins to, to cut the table in half. It begins to divide people because it's like, well, no, I'm, I'm more hungry than you. I, I gotta get fed. I gotta get all, and the greed creeps in, a, a competition creeps in. I gotta be the one that, that oversteps that when somebody steps up and there's an anointing in worship and we go, well, I, I can't get that position. I'm gonna, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna compliment them. I'm not gonna call it the gold or, or somebody is making inroads in, uh, you know, on any of our teams, whatever it may be, and we go, well, I'm not like them, and I want to get to the position I have. All of a sudden, we begin, it becomes a fighting match of moving up. And actually, that's not what the table of, of Christ was supposed to be about. The table of Christ calls out the giftings, the callings, and the anointings in each other, knowing that he's called us to a lane and that everyone gets to play a part. Everyone gets to play a part. But some of us, we get to the top because we have stood on so many other people's heads. And then there's other, others of us who never actually get in the game because, well, my siblings stole from me. And we never actually get in the game. And what happens is we call it humility, but it's false because we actually, we've built a, a, uh, that, that belief system on a hurt instead of going to you know what? The gifts and callings of a God are irrevocable. What he's called me to, when he calls my name, I'll play a part. I don't need to fight for it. Over the next while, say this, God, I, I'm letting you, whatever you called me to do, whatever you want, whatever part you want me to play, it'll happen in your sovereign way. And just watch. Don't, it's not don't do anything, but just don't fight for it. And you'll watch God will begin to move you into those spaces and those places. He will encounter you if there's things within you that he needs to transform and overcome. You will find that he will create opportunities. If you're like, hey God, I've got this thing within me. I have a lack of patience or I struggle with this. I need you to fix it. You'll then find that he will bring things into your life that he will then help you overcome. Why don't Christ and the guys come back up? The more we're willing to share at the table, the more we're willing and knowing that actually there's enough for everyone, then there's the more that he will pour out. It's like this principle, the more we try to give away, the more he ends up giving back in return. In fact, I would like to put it like this: the more we give our, up our seat for someone else, the more seats and opportunities he will present to you. Try, try to do that. I'm not talking about negating your seat at the table because you want to go do life on your own, but try and give up your seat. You know, it's like, well, fortunately, the generations coming behind don't always know uh, etiquette and you know chivalry and so on, like chivalry's devil. you know, there's some people who can raise them right. I think like they don't hold up the doors, or they don't give up their seats. And what happens is, it's like everyone for themselves. But try to give up your seat, give up space for someone who, you know, oh, do not you know what? Hey, you step into that. You, you got to work. Oh, hey, actually, you go, you go do that. <laughs> try to give up your seat, and you will watch. Give you more. You will watch God give you more seats at other opportunities and opportunities. It's called humility. Because the more we give up our seat for others, the more opportunities he makes for us. And I feel like this morning, in just a simple challenge, if some of us need to let go of our greed, what's really at its heart is the fear, the loss, and the feelings of lack. It's the fear of missing out. It's the loss that I've missed out in the past. And it's the feelings that, you know what, they will never be enough. Because in the kingdom of God, at the table of God, there is an Abundance. Because when we live with those old mindsets, we'll come thinking this table's small. But I can tell you this if we have an encounter and a revelation shift of the grace of God and the power of God, we will understand that the table that God wants to build in this town is as long as the Strangford Road. That there is a table that God wants to set before you in the presence of your enemies, in culture that's gone ski with, and I can tell you, He wants to set a table. Like that is longer than the Strangford Road. And I can tell you, there are a abundance of people that are crying out for tables to sit at. There's an abundance of people that are looking to experience grace, undeserving favor, but also his presence upon the table that will transform their lives. I mean, we all are too. But if we come with greed instead of an understanding of abundance, we will be the very thing that will stop more people coming to the table. So why don't you stand as we pray? So maybe you're here and you're like, yeah, i I've, I've actually thinking, I always thought that this was about my behavior. This was about how good I was. Or I always thought this was about my effort. And I'm not talking about not doing anything for God because faith that works is dead but well, you don't sit at the table by your skill set or what you've earned, but because of his love and his kindness and his grace. But maybe you're here and they've resonated with you. I mean, we all will have it. God wants to, to lead you through that with this next season. That we may get a greater understanding of what it means to live in abundance. Because the kingdom, a scarcity mindset will limit growth. It will limit the growth of the body and limit the growth of the church. And in fact, scarcity kills vision. It kills people, or it kills off our ability to step into what God has called us to do. So I'm just going to pray that God would, by His Spirit, in you instill this new. I'm not talking about not using resources.